Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to another episode of Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Alexis. And we're two longtime fans of the show excited to rewatch and recap it along the way. Today we are here to recap the first episode of Gilmore Girls Season 3, Lazy Hazy Crazy Days. The episode bio for this episode is, Back from a summer internship in Washington, D.C., Rory finds herself torn between Dean and Jess. Meanwhile, Lorelai questions her future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're back. Woo. Um, it feels like it's been so long. <laughs> Yeah, just like it, summer break is about to end in the show, mm-hmm. our winter break ended and we're back <laughs> for season three. Yeah. <laughs> and we wanted to start off today with a few housekeeping things. So first of all, we want to welcome any new listeners. Thank you for joining us. Um, we wanted to kind of briefly explain our different awards that we give out as we're recapping the episode, just so that you know what we're doing. So we have... A few different ones that we give out every episode. We have our gazebo moment, which is our favorite moment of the episode. That can either be for like good (laughs) emotional things or just something that's kind of iconic. Mm -hmm. We've also got the Rory's bookshelf, which is our favorite reference to a pop culture moment or item or storyline. So that is often books or literature, but it could easily be movies, music, anything related to the constant pop culture references (laughs) that the ones that don't go above our heads. (laughs) And we also have Lorelai's Closet, which is, as it sounds, something for fashion, um, something that we enjoyed doesn't have to be something we'd ever wear or something that's necessarily fashionable, but something that somebody wore that we liked. (laughs) We've also got the Stars Hollow moment, which is the, you know, a scene that evokes the feeling of Stars Hollow, which might be the aesthetic often related to the many different festivals and goings on of Stars Hollow, the very quintessential that is so Stars Hollow that wouldn't happen anywhere else kind (laughs) of moment. Our last regular award is our Friday night dinner, which is our critique for the episode. Um, Just like when you go to a Friday night dinner at the Gilmore's house, you're often critiqued. This is our moment to pick something (laughs) out and critique it, whether it's something that like hasn't held up over the past 20 years or something that was probably never okay to begin with. And Mm. we often either critique the show as an entity or the characters within them as people so we try and differentiate but hopefully you understand and we have a couple segments that we will bring up if it arises within the particular episode so about midway through season two with the arrival of jess we began a new segment called the jess sass attack which is our favorite kind of sarcastic or biting comment often spoken by jess but we have since become more flexible and it will often go to you know a character like Emily or just anyone who has some really good searing 
uh, searing phrases to share with the people around them. (laughs) And we have a new one for this season as well that we could have probably had for every episode because it shows up. (laughs) But this one's going to be for food. It's the Gotta Taste Test Award. Um, So Mm. it's if there's anything that shows up that we want to taste test. Usually probably made by Suki or Luke Mm because they're our cooks for the show. Right. It was very inspired uh, by our our interview with Eating Gilmore or Larissa, uh, mm-hmm. where it was kind of like impossible to ignore going away from that interview, the like role of the important role of food and cooking in the show. So well, we're happy to include that one now moving forward. Mm-hmm. And our last uh, award, which is also going to be new for this season, is our MVP. We'll be giving this out at the end of our recap. It'll go to as as you know MVP stands for our most valuable player or just the character that we enjoyed the most or thought that this episode really showcased the best and we'll give that out at the end of the uh, the recap. Yeah, the second matter of housekeeping is our regular call to request that you rate us and review us and follow us uh, wherever, you know, on all platforms or your favorite platforms, new platforms you never heard of. (laughs) Uh, Just really join us in any capacity that you can uh, so we can have this Gilmore Girls, you know, fandom community and you can help other people join us as well um, through, you know, ratings and reviews and the like. To that end, we also have a little uh, giveaway that we're doing. So we are asking slash bribing you for reviews (laughs) on Apple Podcasts. We would like you to write us a review. So not just the stars, although we also appreciate that. But write us a review, preferably a five-star review. Screenshot that and email it to us at talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com. And we will mail you a sticker with our new logo. And if you Mm -hmm. haven't seen our new logo, it should be displaying now as you're listening. But we also have stickers and everything posted on our Instagram so you can see exactly what you'd be getting. Mm -hmm. So please do that. We're really excited to share our new logo with this new season. And who doesn't like stickers, to be honest? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know. I'd like approximately 10 stickers, please. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But now I think we're ready to get into the episode. Yeah. What were your general thoughts on this episode? I was um, jumping for joy (laughs) to just start watching again. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think overall it was like, I don't know. I felt really positively, I think, about the episode actually. I like a good season opener that had like a summer break has gone on Mm -hmm. in between, you know, like time has passed, but not a ton of time. And we're picking up um, like what's going to happen based on all of the cliffhangers that we had previously. And I felt like a lot of the drama continued and th- some of the conflict paid off in w- in great ways. And a lot of conflict continues. So <laughs> I was just really like engrossed and engaged overall in the episode. How about you? I agree. I was thinking of like just how different the transition from season two to season three was from season one to season Mm. two where they pick up like the day later and 
we pick up with the exact same drama, like nothing has progressed in any of the storylines that we left off with in season two. But you're right, since we have that time pass and everybody was separated for the summer, we still get like all the good payoff and everything without having to live through a whole summer when this is a fall show. Mm. So it should start in the fall. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I had, uh, I thought that there were moments that I loved and moments that I cringed at and that makes a good show. Mm. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Okay. Should we do our talking fast segment? <laughs> yes. And if you're new here, prepare to be amazed by our <laughs> spectacular ability to recap the episode in only 30 seconds. This is a mm-hmm. fun, or I guess I use the word fun lightly, um, challenge <laughs> we give ourselves each episode where we compete or suffer together <laughs> in our attempt to recap the whole episode in only 30 seconds. Okay, are you ready to go first? I have just forgotten the entire episode, so I'm I'm banking on you. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I'm ready to go first. Not quite with that pressure, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay, ready, set, go. The episode opens with a dream. Surprise, it did trick me. Uh, Lorelai <laughs> imagines her life with Luke, and then she calls Rory afterward to ask her to be Freud and analyze it for her. They end up saying, like, maybe you're not over the Christopher conflict yet. Um, they say, Rory, come home. Uh, but she has another day in Washington, D.C. with her internship still. Paris is there, and Jamie's, uh, the character is introduced. Yes, asks her on a date, so they go on the date. Rory helps her. Oh, no. Uh, Rory comes home. Lorelai's there. <laughs> Ah! <laughs> I got uh, like the first third of the episode <laughs> yeah a bit rusty I, I really felt like I was on a roll and I just was just not at the right speed I guess <laughs> uh, we'll see if I can get past the first 10 minutes it usually doesn't happen but we'll see what happens maybe you should just start at the end and work your way back <laughs> oh, gosh. all right are you ready yes one Two, three, go! So we start out by finding out that uh, Rory is in Washington, D.C., so they've been separated all summer. Lorelai is dreaming of Luke. It's a bit weird. Um, Rory is in D.C. with Paris, who gets asked out by Jamie, and Paris freaks out a little bit. When Rory gets back, they go to the lazy, hazy, crazy days of summer thingy. Um, so he is also remodeling her uh, house with taxidermy. Rory sees Jess making out with somebody and gets upset. Lorelai tells Emily and Richard that uh, Christopher is having a baby and left her. <laughs> uh, okay. You that was a, a little bit. <laughs> I just, I love the taxidermy stuff when we get there. I have things yeah. to say. <laughs> and will we get there? <laughs> Let's take the moment to slow down and work our way through the episode which opens mm-hmm. with a cold open scene of Lorelai's dream, like we both mentioned. Did this trick you at all when you began to watch it? Like, did you think it was reality or did you remember it was a dream? <laughs> I remembered it was a dream as soon as I saw how many alarm clocks there were. <laughs> if there hadn't <laughs> been all of those alarm clocks, I think I could have been tricked. Um but, you know, dreams always do weird things. And why mm. why would she have all those alarm clocks in reality? But mm-hmm. <laughs> did it trick you? Yeah, I 
have a hazy memory, <laughs> apparently. Uh, and I thought it was real up until she goes down into the kitchen and Luke mm-hmm. is there. My explanation for the alarm clocks, I thought that was Rory pranking her, uh, uh, which I think is believable, you know, but yeah. looking back once I realized, I'm like, that explains it because I kind of was like, Lorelai's wearing a very sexy nightgown, which isn't her typical nightwear from what we've seen so far. Her mm-hmm. hair was like really beautifully curled as well. <laughs> so yeah. there are a few details <laughs> where I wondered like, oh, is this what season three is like? Did they just really elevate her look i couldn't remember (laughs) uh but then yeah luke in the kitchen making her breakfast um alluding to the fact that apparently she's pregnant with twins like i was like i definitely know this is not how season three opens (laughs) yeah he also when he's talking to the twins in her stomach he brings back a little um reference from season two he calls them sid and nancy Lorelai mm-hmm. responds by saying, no, it's, uh, is it Lloyd and Leopold? Yeah, Leopold and Loeb. Uh, which we talked about during that episode called Sid and Nancy. Um, which, again, j- these twins would be siblings. Why do they need to be famous lovers, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but <laughs> <laughs> A little weird. Yeah, why not this call them? This is Game of Thrones. I know, I was about to say. <laughs> why not call them Renera and Damon? Although they're not siblings either, but. <laughs> yeah, Jamie and Cersei. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on and so on. <laughs> yeah, they are twins. Yeah, that'd be perfect. There were like a few references in this dream. And I do have my Rory's bookshelf, but it's actually for the very first alarm clock, which was this like Hello Kitty, very pink. Um, so the reference is to, you know, the anime character hello kitty or is it a cartoon either it's a whole like brand hello kitty everything you could get but i just thought like when i thought this was real i thought like of course that is the alarm clock lorelei would have (laughs) (laughs) and i just made me so excited like it the episode opens on the hello kitty alarm clock and i just thought oh that is so fitting for this show yeah (laughs) it's just like in uh was it episode two of season one where she has the pink fl- fuzzy alarm clock that doesn't go off in time to get Rory to Chilton? Mm, right? Exactly. It's pink yeah. and fuzzy. Yeah. But anyways, after this, we Lorelai falls out of bed and grabs the phone. She calls Rory to talk about the dream, which Rory is a very patient daughter to pick up the phone when her mom calls in the middle of the night. Um, Lorelai wants to get an interpretation of the dream and this is when we find out that Rory is rooming with Paris in DC it looks oddly like their college dorm in the next Mm. season Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it's not um I guess and Rory gives Lorelai a pretty straightforward interpretation of the dream like saying that maybe she wants (laughs) to have babies with Luke this is Imagine not that. Yeah. <laughs> this is not what Lorelai wants to hear. Then she she gives a bit more nuanced of an interpretation saying that maybe she's jealous of Christopher having a baby with Sherry, which you know is probably also true. <laughs> I thought that was fairly good and spot on dream analysis by Rory for the first interpretation as well as the second interpretation. In general, I I like the 
trope of like opening with a dream and the it kind of gives us a clue of Lorelai's what's going on deep in Lorelai that we'll hear more about at the end of the episode but it also does a nice job of kind of like tricking the audience a bit because Mm -hmm. with every season you're like where are we gonna open up and you're like well damn is this where we are and then you pull back and it is a bit of exposition of okay Rory's in DC it's like her second to last day like it it gives us a bit of plot context smoothly I felt like Mm -hmm. yeah I loved it (laughs) after the opening credits with the very familiar Gilmore Girls song (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. we pick up at Suki's house for breakfast so this is a a clue that things are still pretty tense between Lorelai and Luke and honestly I had kind of forgotten how they left it off um, at the end of season two for some reason I had thought maybe they made up or something but obviously not enough for Lorelai to go to Luke's alone so she's having breakfast at Suki. Jackson is wearing his Jackson overalls and being <laughs> adorable. And we also find out that Suki wants to paint their house, which is all painted pink as far as I can tell. And there's like a floral pattern couch and floral curtains and stuff. So she wants to make it a bit more masculine for Jackson, d- despite the fact that he says he likes it the way it is. Um, so that's gonna be a fun little side plot (laughs) yeah that is a good side plot and it produces some funny Jackson lines where he protests like I like flowers Mm -hmm. I'm a produce guy (laughs) that's true (laughs) from breakfast at Sookie's Lorelai departs and walks around town heading to work on her way she encounters Taylor who is of course setting up for (laughs) another festival this is going to be like the summer madness festival, which I mm-hmm. instantly remembered. I mean, I I guess I kind of knew it was coming from the title of the episode. But once I saw them setting up for like a su- end of summer festival, I'm like, that song is about it's going to play <laughs> and it's going to be in my head forever. <laughs> yeah, um, it will be. <laughs> yeah. But Taylor's approaching this with his classic enthusiasm. He's excited, really excited about this banner. He's like, wait till you see this banner. It's the best we've ever done. <laughs> And he's also fairly inexplicably in a motorized wheelchair because he apparently broke his leg on a banana peel, which is that a joke? (laughs) I think it's really what happened. And this is my Mm. Jess Sass attack award because Mm. Jess is back in town. Who else would have placed that banana peel? He is the reason (laughs) Taylor is in a... Uh, leg cast and wheelchair so just another Mm. classic prank by Jess this one you know actually had a victim so that's not not the greatest look but eh. (laughs) that is a good theory I like that what if the actor was really injured in Mm. real life yeah and they had to come up with a cover story that's probably more realistic but (laughs) well I mean the cover story is Jess's revenge you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) Also something to nominate within this scene, I picked out Lorelai's outfit here as my Lorelai's closet. Oh, yeah. I actually had a really difficult time settling on a Lorelai's closet, like singular nomination, because I loved so many of the looks in this episode. But I picked this one because I feel like this kicks off 
all of the very pink summer looks we see and mm-hmm. I just felt like the color of the episode was pink so she's wearing this like light pink paisley sort of dress and it has a it has a very 70s vibe to me and she's paired it with a white bucket hat which just yeah. felt so trendy to me ironically so because mm-hmm. the bucket hat trend is like a retro trend but here she is wearing it at its heyday perhaps <laughs> and she's also got this like pink rose necklace on and it as a whole just screams summer to me so I felt like it was a great look for this like end of summer episode yeah I hate bucket hats but if anybody <laughs> can pull them off Laura like can <laughs> after walking around with Taylor for a little while she stops outside of Luke's and stares wistfully in which is our second clue of the episode that there's something going on there and they're not talking. I wanted him to mm-hmm. look up and see her and for it to be an awkward moment, but it wasn't. She just walks away. <laughs> yeah, he was clueless to it, though. Yeah, which I guess is Luke-ish. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. tends to be clueless to think. Well, not always, actually. Never mind. That was a bad, bad statement. <laughs> <laughs> Retracted. Yeah. <laughs> Our next scene is in Washington, D.C., and Taylor, I mean, Paris is working the room by tormenting all of the senators, it seems like. She is talking to all of them about the policies that they have mishandled and stuff like that and things that they need to work on, and she keeps getting Mm -hmm. passed off (laughs) from one (laughs) senator to the other. They'll, like, come up with an excuse, like, they Mm -hmm. have to go to the bathroom or something, and... (laughs) Yeah, later she's like, I don't know. <laughs> she's like, I don't know what it is. Every time I talk to a congressperson, it's right before they have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, so convenient. Poor, poor <laughs> Paris, but she is she is a bit intense <laughs> in this scene. Mm-hmm. Well, I just love that we see her intimidating, like full grown professional mm-hmm. Congress people because it's just such a good trait of hers. You know, like she can command and intimidate anyone and to this point we've mostly seen it with other like high schoolers but like she's so beyond the level even of like professional adults Mm -hmm. it's really hilarious to see like how capable she is but also like a bit scary too like (laughs) she could tone it back I guess later on if she wants to do a bit more diplomacy but (laughs) for now it's impressive to me you know yeah I love that she's not starstruck This kind Mm -hmm. of reminded me of a scene in Parks and Rec where Leslie gets to meet, I think she gets to meet Biden, actually. (laughs) I don't remember exactly, but she's like starstruck and um, can't really put words together. But Paris here, she couldn't care less of these people's status. Like, they are her equals, which, yeah, is very Mm -hmm. admirable. I'm sure there were a lot of cameos in the scene. I just didn't care to look Mm -hmm. up the random names that they shared, but I'm guessing they were actually, like, senators at the time. (laughs) Yeah. We don't... I don't know senators from 2008. No. I was in high Um, school then. I didn't pay attention to politics. (laughs) Unlike Paris. Well... The second half of this scene is my gazebo moment, actually, placing it pretty early in the episode. I really liked this exchange between Paris, Jamie, and Rory. Uh, So 
to back up a bit, this is the first appearance of Jamie, one of Paris's first love interests on the show. We see him talking to Rory and then Paris returns and joins them and they talk about like debate pairings. So it seems like Jamie and Paris are on the same side this time. And he says, you know, after that, why don't we go out for dinner? And Paris says, okay, she doesn't really seem to take much notice of this. And after he leaves, Rory comes over and she's like, oh, wow, you just he just asked you out on a date. And Paris, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's played so well. The humor of it really gets to me <laughs> where she's like, I didn't know. Are you sure? And Rory says, yes. And they have a good back and forth dialogue where uh, Paris says, I finally got asked out on a date and I missed it. Was it good? And Rory's like, yeah, it was very good. Paris says, God, I wish I'd been there. <laughs> she's just, because she was. was. So good. And it ends with her saying um, a joke about Jamie being a Princeton man. And she can overlook that, <laughs> which is the classic Ivy League snooty-ism from her. It's just such a good touch. But so what I love about this was the really humorous dialogue. But more importantly, I really like that they're giving Paris a love interest here. And it's someone who is very much like on her level. He seems to be mm-hmm. like really smart and ambitious like her. He seems to like respect those qualities in her so far. And he's also a good look. He's good looking, I would say. Um, and it's just nice to see Paris being desired um, in a way yeah. that we found lacking in the earlier seasons um I feel like it's a way of giving respect to that character and you know storylines don't always have to be love uh romantic but it's only fair to spread out the romance equally Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I am glad that she gets a like this is the start of um like a romance plot for her yeah I love that he really does like he he has seen her at her most intense and he loves that about mm-hmm. her whereas like the only other love interest we've kind of gotten for her was Tristan who was like doing it kind of as a favor type thing and it was just mm-hmm. like later in the episode Paris asks or kind of thinks that maybe Jamie was dared to ask her out and that's that's she's getting that from her interactions with guys like Tristan and Jamie's just like such a good guy and he likes all of her all of her personality even at its most intense which is just yeah great to see I hope it goes well for them (laughs) (laughs) back at Stars Hollow um we're at the inn and Kirk is trying to sell Michelle this product called Hey There it's a skincare line. <laughs> this is my Stars Hollow moment um, because mm. Kirk is like quintessential Stars Hollow. He kind of represents the town to me in a way. And here he's tr- giving the sales pitch about how cows never wrinkle. <laughs> and so therefore he's made a skincare line out of hay. He's trying to sell it to Lorelai as well. <laughs> he has like a whole line of it. It's got lotions and salves and... Uh, cleansers and all that kind of stuff and then after he's given his whole pitch Lorelai says don't cows eat grass and he he says grass there is a bad name and I just love I love that because of course Kirk would have probably sat in his I don't know his bedroom because he shares his house with his mom 
He probably <laughs> sat there for a whole evening brainstorming different names for this concoction that he was coming up with. <sighs> Kirk. He's just he's just so Kirk. <laughs> yeah. And thankfully now that they settled on his name. You and I are both kind of skincare aficionados, mm-hmm. so I knew this would amuse the both of us. And it reminded me quite a lot of several, you know, marketing campaigns I see where it's Mm -hmm. all about this like star ingredient in this product. And it's like, is it really science based research? Like, is it really going to work? And Kirk claimed he did research and experiments. So (laughs) I guess, hey, it's the new we're going to see it from like the ordinary a hay syrup is going to pop off. Well, there there are oatmeal (laughs) things. So, oh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I think in this opening, you know, so Kirk is talking to them and then Emily calls and it made me think like I think most maybe like half the scenes at the Independence Inn are Lorelai receives a phone call from Emily. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I got a bit of deja vu watching (laughs) this conversation. Mm Uh, but apparently Emily is returning from her summer break as well. Her and Richard have just gotten back from Martha's Vineyard. And she's disappointed in Lorelai, who promised to call and has not yet at 11 a.m. And (laughs) Lorelai is defending herself before she realizes, like, oh, this is fruitless and just apologizes as a way to end the argument, which was pretty effective. And the second thing they discuss is, of course, Friday night dinner. And Emily is surprised to know, well, she's surprised to hear Lorelai say Rory is getting back on Saturday, so she won't be able to come to the dinner and we know that this is a lie because Rory and Lorelai had just confirmed a couple of scenes ago that she will be home on Friday. So at this point, there's a bit of uh, we don't really know why Lorelai lied. We just know that she did lie to Emily about this. Mm-hmm. We also get Emily asks whether Christopher is going to be there. Um, Lorelai says that no, he, he's not going to be able to make it. So we find out that Lorelai also hasn't told Emily and Richard that Christopher's out of the picture. So they have spent the whole summer thinking that Lorelai and Christopher are canoodling um, when they have, in fact, not been. <laughs> Which was, it's what I love. Like, I love that this mm-hmm. much time has passed and it only expands the level of conflict because of their bad decisions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's worth mentioning, I think we might have... Um, over we forgot to mention that when Rory hangs up with Lorelai she like can't get back to sleep so she walks over to her desk and we see all of these opened letters from Dean and underneath those is like a notebook where she's written it seems like in the past dear Jess at the top and then it's a blank notebook page so that's also the clue that Rory also hasn't spoken to Jess or like responded to him addressed the case and if Dean is still writing her it seems like maybe she hasn't told him the truth yet either so between that and then now with Lorelai like I really love the parallel of like a whole summer has passed but both (laughs) Lorelai and Roy are stuck in this like avoiding addressing conflict which will only like blow up in their faces later on (laughs) yeah that's like not something you can do anymore because people Mm, always text you or like message (laughs) you somewhere but I mean they had of course they communicated often by phone and stuff but it seems Mm -hmm. like nobody ever had serious conversations over the phone 
Um, but if it was, if it was today, they would have had these, we would have had like a TV show with the little texts popping up on the side as they like went through this argument. Yeah. You see like the iPhone evolve over the course of Gossip Girl. (laughs) Oh my God. That's true. (laughs) I kind of like that they had, that they have to like do this kind of slow communication. Mm -hmm. It builds up all this tension, but it also... It also potentially gives Rory time to think about what she's going to do, although mm-hmm. it's questionable whether she actually thought about it at all. <laughs> yeah, we can, we'll continue to think about that as we move forward, because I think mm-hmm. there's some clues about like what she's been thinking about and planning ahead on. Uh, but speaking of phones, the next scene is later that day in Washington, D.C., Rory is on the phone with Dean. So it does seem like they've been talking. Um, They're like bantering and flirting like normal. Um, So that was, I deducted from that. Like, I don't (laughs) think she told him about the just kiss. I don't think they would be chatting like this if she had. Uh, Which made me excited though um, to look forward to seeing that unfold later. Um, But in this scene, Paris is also getting ready for her date. And she is, and very much true to her character, quite nervous and anxious about this whole experience. Mm-hmm. We also, so my Lorelai's closet goes to Paris's date dress. Mm-hmm. Um, it's mm-hmm. a like a pink floral dress. So we're still on that pink trend. They're like yeah. tiny little flowers, which I don't like, you don't see often in clothes anymore. It's kind of, it would be like a very busy print except it's just mm. like the one print for a dress so I think it works and it's got a yeah, nice I like liked it a lot scoop too. neckline it's just super flattering on her too it looks very cute I felt like there's a bit of like a a Paris glow up mm. I would say oh and I wanted to mention on the phone call Emily was wearing this like bright pink yeah cardigan it's like and neon. shirt and I yeah. yeah, and I she was also looking pretty tanned. Her hair was longer. <laughs> like, she looks good after her summer. And I thought Paris was looking good as well. We had some mm-hmm. good, like, one season to the next. Some of them are, like, a little sparkly when they come back, you know. Mm-hmm. Some actors are like, oh, their look is, like, even better for this season, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They definitely nailed some things down, I think. Mm. Um, But as Paris is putting on her date outfit, she's also freaking out about going on the state she talks about how she's not genetically set up for dating um what if he (laughs) she needs to pick a restaurant out in the zagat guide and rory tells her to like (laughs) let him pick out the restaurant and Mm. she freaks out about him potentially just winging it and being the kind of guy who wings it rory talks her down i think really interestingly and very it kind of betrays a lot of what Rory has been thinking about. Um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> she So also when she was talking with Dean on the phone, she made a comment about uh, dyeing her hair blonde and he said, um, I just like what I have. So that's where we're starting out with, with Dean. And then Rory is talking to Paris and saying, you'll find somebody who compliments you, who reads the same books. And then she says there's something about not quite knowing what the other person's going to do that's, like, really alluring. 
And I think that mm-hmm. the juxtaposition between this kind of, you know, who could it be that she's talking about versus mm-hmm. the conversation we just got with Dean was uh, a little bit telling about where her head yeah. is at. The subtext is the text at this point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Paris had like opened that conversation by asking her, how do you know if a guy is right for you? And I... My first response to that was like, I don't know if Rory is your girl. Yeah. Like, I don't know if the, she's the right person to ask because she's horrible at deciding which guy is for her, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I liked the irony of that. But like you said, I do think overall Rory is doing a great job of calming Paris down. And um, she has a bit more experience with dating. So I think her expertise, even if it's flawed, was like helpful <laughs> from a friend support standpoint in the scene Mm -hmm. and I like seeing the development of their friendship um they've had a whole summer as roommates together at this point they seem closer than when we left off and it also reminded me of the earlier scene where Rory helped her get ready for the date with Tristan um, uh, where they didn't know each other that well and so now it's nice to see it again but in a later point in their friendship Mm -hmm. Yeah, where they've been sharing a dorm room together for a whole summer. Mm -hmm. As Jamie arrives, though, Paris uh, (laughs) tells Rory to go and hide because she thinks that if Jamie sees Rory, he won't want to date Paris anymore, which, of course, is ridiculous. As Rory says, he's seen her this whole time. I almost gave this moment my gazebo moment when... Paris opens the door and there's Jamie looking all nice and he says Mm. he's got a reservation at this Italian place that he found in the uh, Zagat guide and Paris Uh just kind of says, you're perfect. She's (laughs) so wooed. Yeah. And by the man who plans ahead. I know. It's like, (laughs) this is exactly what she wants and needs. And I just, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm so happy that she's getting this little romance in her life while Rory Mm -hmm. is hiding in the closet. Yeah, and he's wearing, like, a full-on suit, too. Yeah. Like, so dressed up. Um, yeah, and Rory's in the closet <laughs> with her notebook. <laughs> yeah, looking kind of contemplative. I think we were supposed to read her look as, like, I don't know, kind of pining for Jess, maybe, or something like that. Or, like, mm. after her whole speech that she had just given Paris, thinking about that kind of stuff. I don't know. Right, like, she's in the... She's still like she has the notebook again, so I think we could imagine her. Oh yeah, still trying to figure out what to write in the letter, and I don't know. Like, I, it's hard to say because she, I don't know if she knows, but like, like what do you think she's putting in the letter? Like, if she did write it, what would she, what is she trying to say? Do you think? I have no idea, and I think before <laughs> she can write that letter, she needs to decide whether she's staying with Dean or breaking up with Dean. Mm. Because that would mm-hmm. de- like inform what she writes, but since she can't decide that, I really feel like she doesn't decide decide that until she sees Lorelai's reaction. I mm. I think since she can't decide yeah. that, she can't write. Like anything. when does she decide to stay with Dean? Mm-hmm. Is a good question. I actually think it's a, another moment, maybe, yeah. which I'll say I'll say <laughs> later. But yeah, it's like is the letter a breakup letter? Like, hey, we kissed, mm. but I want to stay with Dean. Like, I don't really think that is what the letter would have been. Yeah, it would have been like yeah. a letter full of pining and <laughs> longing or poetry or what something. What have you read lately? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll never know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the scene after this 
has my Rory's bookshelf moment in it. We're at Kim's Antiques and Suki is looking for things for her redesign of her house. And we also find out uh, Suki asks why Lorelai hasn't told Emily. But amongst this conversation, she finds this shaving table that was owned, or Mrs. Kim says was owned by Sherman. And then she mentioned, mentioned something about burning down Atlanta. I have no idea what this is about or who Sherman is, so I looked it up. So my Rory's bookshelf is going to be a little bit of an educational moment here. (laughs) The (laughs) Sherman that they're talking about is this uh, guy who led the Union forces in the uh, Civil War, Um, and his name was William Tecumseh Sherman. I think Tecumseh? Yeah, that sounds right. And he, of course, led a battle against confederate forces in atlanta i think though that mrs kim had it wrong from wikipedia which as we know is an infallible source it (laughs) seems to be that the confederate general as they were as that side was losing atlanta burned down all of the military bases in atlanta so he was the one at least who started the burning from what i can see from my cursory glance at Wikipedia, <laughs> it wasn't Sherman who burned Atlanta, or at least he didn't do the first burning. But I just thought it was interesting. Mm. I really don't know very much beyond like the basics about the American Civil War, because obviously I mm. study many centuries before that. So it's kind of out of my purview, but it's always interesting to learn more about. And um, usually Mrs. Kim's stuff comes from revolutionary war character people um so it was interesting to have this this one supposedly from a civil war person yeah i would add to that i know a bit about civil war history but um sherman it was like um you know it's like when i don't do too much with war history but like (laughs) sometimes they like it's not just about winning battles but like destroying everything in your path Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was like what Sherman was and he was notorious for like a march. Um, So he was like him and his forces were just like destroying everything on their way through the south. Uh, But so like I think people in Atlanta knew he was coming and they're afraid and things like that. I mean, in particular, it's portrayed in Gone with the Wind. The they like oh. hear he's coming and that that like Gone with the Wind is like a romance from the Confederate perspective. Yeah, pretty I completely much, like, forgot Scarlet. that. But that like was... that's he was in that. yeah yeah, okay, yeah. yeah so like they're in atlanta yeah um that makes afraid sense of his arrival that makes sense why because they love gone with the wind in the show <laughs> so yeah that yeah. makes sense <laughs> thank you right. for educating so he's like me a, a good guy on the side of the union but also kind of has like a bad reputation from like mm-hmm. burning up shit but like oh well once the union possesses atlanta you know you maybe could have used some of that stuff that you burned <laughs> yeah but yeah yeah kind of medieval war tactics and i say Mm -hmm. that with it's actually war tactics from the middle ages which is like harrying and raising uh Mm. towns and stuff and then doing that in retaliation for the other side (laughs) until everybody was just burning (laughs) Mm. i've been more immersed in game of thrones recently and so i was thinking about war from that perspective as well but doesn't usually mm-hmm. come up in Gilmore Girls too much. Um, so if any of our listeners yeah. are like military buffs, um, they'll probably call us yeah. out immediately after hearing this. <laughs> or yeah. history, Please let war us know. history buffs too. 
Yeah. <sighs> anyway. Okay, cool. So I'm glad you knew more than Wikipedia did. <laughs> we interrupt this podcast with a message from our sponsor. It might be winter where you are, but here in Stars Hollow, iconic home of theme festivals and fairs, we finally found a way to fill the month of September. We're proud to announce our first annual Stars Hollow End of Summer Madness Festival. You're bound to be impressed because we're going all out for this one. We didn't put the word madness in the title for nothing. According to our festival organizer, Taylor Dosey, this festival is going to be crazy, wild, with food, games, and even a band coming all the way from New York. And just wait until you see the banner we ordered. It makes every other banner we've had look downright embarrassing. When you're at the festival, you'll be able to pose in one of our many photo ops of cartoon figures wearing swimsuits, buy a bouquet of flowers, and enjoy tap dancing entertainment provided by Miss Patty. The star of the event, though, is the music. You'll be delighted to hear the song Lazy Hazy Crazy Days of Summer, those days of soda, pretzels, and beer on repeat. Four hours. Just those lyrics. It'll be in your head for days. Luckily, listeners of Talking Fast have a special opportunity. Once you're at the Stars Hollow End of Summer Madness Festival, tell any employee the code word MADNESS, and you'll get a free item of your choosing. A soda, pretzel, or beer. If you're of age for the latter, of course. Enjoy! When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Back in Mrs. Kim's, Suki wants to buy this huge trout mantelpiece thing. It is uh, pretty ridiculous. <laughs> she thinks that that's going to help um, masculinize her house. Lorelai bribes Mrs. Kim to not let her buy it unsuccessfully. <laughs> I'm going to place my Friday night dinner critique in this scene. Related to Suki's dream of remodeling the house. Oh, yeah. Um, and I want to clarify, I think this is a critique that the writers are putting into this episode. They're, like, making it themselves. And I think it's a, a good one to make. And I enjoyed seeing it. And it was done with humor, but also, like, still making a critique. So, essentially, I think they're pointing out, like, the silliness of masculine or feminine, feminine like, decorative styles mm -hmm. like a home that is pink versus a home that has all of these trouts and shaving tables <laughs> and things like that in it and it also is like kind of giving this plot of like that I was thinking about like they haven't been married for that long right this is a new marriage Suki really wants to make Jackson happy but they're having this communication problem where she has in her mind her vision of what 
he wants to be happy. And he's telling her like, no, I, I am fine. I am happy. And she's not listening to him, you know? So like, I think it's well done the way that they're portraying the difficulty in communicating in a long-term relationship. And then underneath that, a critique of like gender norms and Suki's like obsession, which we'll see later on to like a great playoff of seeing her house done up in like her imagination (laughs) of what would be so masculine. It's hilarious. It was just, it was well done because it just points out like the artificiality of whatever the masculine aesthetic is. Like even, I don't know, it's not for Jackson. Like even though he's the cis man in the relationship, like it's not what he wanted. Uh, But it's what she, like, she kind of bought into these, like, societal expectations of, like, pleasing a husband. Like, I I would imagine she read this in a magazine, maybe. Mm -hmm. Like, how to please your husband. Is your house too pink? Like, here's what to do. And I imagine after this, like, once the fight has cooled off and his fright is over because he's very scared by all of the taxidermy, you know, (laughs) like... I imagine they could have a good conversation about this and work through the communication as well as the gender of their relationship and it will put them on an even better path moving forward. Though I know their their relationship is not ideal and it does have other conflicts that I have problems with down the line. But for now, I just thought this was um, a good critique and I don't always give the show credit for forwarding critiques you know so I wanted to like align myself with the writers (laughs) for Mm -hmm. once at least for now (laughs) yeah I loved it I also I think that Suki and Jackson's relationship is a good one in context Mm -hmm. of the show there is one thing that happens that's really uh not good in any way um (laughs) but otherwise yeah I think yeah I think you're completely right Suki was ignoring the fact that it was Jackson she married and not some stereotypical archetype of a man, (laughs) which is good Mm -hmm. because Jackson's Mm -hmm. much cooler. Too bad she didn't, wasn't prevented from buying all that stuff, though. (laughs) Yeah. How are they going to? The thing is, like, she painted the house like a deep blue Mm -hmm. that I think is actually quite nice. So maybe they could keep that. Yeah. But where's all the other stuff going to go? I don't know. Yeah. How did she do it so fast? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but the reason I had placed it here is just that when she sees that weird trout and says it's perfect, it's like perfect in what way? Mm -hmm. That was really the clue to me that like she's kind of been taken over by this vision of what she needs to do because no, no, like you only buy a trout like that if it's ironic, right? But she was like (laughs) serious about it. (laughs) Yeah, it reminds me a bit of when Emily had like such a sway over her wedding planning stuff. Like, Mm. she's very susceptible to being told what things should be like or what should be happening in her relationship Mm -hmm. versus what actually is. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. After the scene at at Kim's Antique, we show up at the airport where we have a very frantic greeting between (laughs) Lorelai and Rory. They both (laughs) end up on the floor. Lorelai has spent an obscene amount on Harvard Airport paraphernalia which is just like that stuff's probably so expensive everything in an airport is so expensive that's a another critique of uh continuity errors between Lorelai's <laughs> financial state <laughs> um yeah like does she have massive credit card yeah. debt that we just don't hear about <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> um we also find out so Lorelai has gotten Rory out of Friday night dinner so that Rory can have Dean time 
as soon as Lorelai says this, Rory's face just kind of like blanks out. <laughs> and she's like, oh. She has the ick. <laughs> Yay. Great. That's what I wanted. <laughs> so it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. How do you feel about Lorelai taking this decision um, upon herself? <laughs> I don't I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's kind of another instance of her like pushing the Dean relationship on Rory. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it would also be a great opportunity for Rory to tell Dean, like, to break up with Dean. Yeah, yeah. And also, if I were Rory coming home from a summer in D.C., I probably would just want to stay home that evening. So, mm-hmm. but that's not what Lorelai has in mind. I don't, so I don't know. I'm conflicted. <laughs> what did you think? Yeah. I just, when I heard that line, I felt like, oh, that seems similar to so many scenes we had at the end of mm-hmm. season two uh, with Lorelai's over-involvement in the relationship. But I do think her attitude has changed a bit. I don't know. We'll talk about it shortly in the yeah. argument <laughs> when it comes up. <laughs> but they return home from the airport. Rory learns that Lorelai still hasn't talked to Chris. She says she hasn't talked to him either. Um, I felt like this was a parallel with like how Rory hasn't talked to Jess either as well. Like both of them are kind of like ignoring two men in their lives. <laughs> but Rory's really like insistent on going to this festival. Lorelai is like, oh, you don't have to go. You don't have to change. You could change for Dean later. I was kind of confused by some of this like back and forth dialogue. And I was like, oh, maybe... It's her like saying you could stay home and just like relax from travel. You don't have to like go out to a a town thing. Like sometimes Lorelai like does that with her family too. Like, oh, you don't have to spend time with your grandparents, Mm -hmm. which is like what she would like, not necessarily Rory. But on the flip side, there's weird vibes from Rory because Rory (laughs) is like, I definitely need to change and I definitely need to go. (laughs) And then... When they're on their way, like, you see what Rory changes into, yeah. which is this, Fancy. like, really nice dress <laughs> and heels, <laughs> like, heels for a town festival. Yeah. And this is, like, where I feel like a bit of, I think Rory has been thinking about Jess and planning ahead, and maybe she couldn't figure out what she wanted to put in the letter, but she's dressing to impress, and I would argue it is not for Dean, Mm-hmm. but for Jess. I would agree with that. She's clearly anticipating something, which like also raises the question. She knows she's seeing Dean later that evening. Mm-hmm. So is she going to go and like hopefully make out with Jess and then see Dean later that day? Like she needs to think things through. <laughs> that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. We get them showing up at the festival and this whole festival is my gazebo moment it could have also been a stars hollow moment this was also my stars hollow moment (laughs) it's just like such a it seems like such a wholesome festival you've got this like acapella group singing this song over and over again you have miss patty with her tap dance class doing a dance out on the town square um it was just all very wholesome um, we also walk past Suki and Jackson's house and uh, <laughs> Lorelai and Rory like overhear them freaking out because Suki has plastered the entire house with taxidermy 
which mm. as I like hinted at before, taxidermy is, I hate taxidermy. It's so creepy and gross. I was just at a shop in Chicago last week that's like an oddities shop and it had a whole bunch of taxidermy and like taxidermy gone wrong type of things. It's just so gross and creepy. I can't believe Sookie thought Jackson wanted that. I bet the set designers had a lot of fun (laughs) redoing her house with all of that stuff. (laughs) How? how, Like that takes so much time. (laughs) But but yeah, we also see uh, Rory kind of looking around everywhere, trying to see Jess, as we would assume. She finally does see him, and he is leaning against a tree, (laughs) making out like very heavily with this girl we don't know, and Rory becomes a little bit distraught. She like acts really Mm -hmm. grossed out, and you can tell that that's displacement for some other emotion she might be feeling. Mm -hmm. What do you think... In the time that passed, what was Jess's summer like? Like, we get Rory's POV. She's kind of thinking about this letter, and she's dressed up and looking for him. Like, I don't know. What's, I guess, your headcanon of what has happened with Jess? Like, Mm -hmm. I wonder, like, is he making out with this girl, hoping that, like, Rory will see him? Is this, like, the jealousy play of, like, you never got back to me? I'm going to show you like I'll be with someone else so it'll make you want me more kind of thing or did he fall in love with a new girl? <laughs> I think it's 100% the jealousy but also punishment mm. because mm. since Rory left him on red as we would say for the entire summer yeah. <laughs> um, he also has probably been hearing around town that she's still with Dean. I'm sure like that's mm. not a secret. So A, she hasn't talked to him all summer B, there's no indication that she's actually breaking up with Dean. So I feel like she he waited maybe June and July. It was like, okay, nothing's happening. A week later, she'll get back, so I need to work something out. And so he finds a girl that he's into a little bit and who's into him. Mm-hmm. And then he just decides, okay, we're going to be making out for the next few months. <laughs> just in case, whenever <laughs> yeah. Roy gets home. We've got to be at this tree ready to go. (laughs) Exactly. Let's make out in public since that really seems like something Jess would do often. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think it's very clear that he like picked a girl, you know, very like blonde Mm -hmm. who could be like the opposite of Rory. And if I remember anything about this like love triangle moving forward is that it's very much like the other woman who is like vapid and not like Mm -hmm. intellectual like Rory and all of that stuff which Rory voices she's like that's not even his type implying of course that like she is his type (laughs) but hey I love I just I really liked the drama of this scene yeah (laughs) and it kind of produces like the truth finally comes out because Lorelai can't help but notice Rory's reaction to just like this and they get into an argument which I think is really Great. As you said, this festival is very wholesome with this song playing in the background. It's the perfect setting for this like argument about like cheating. (laughs) It's a great it's a great juxtaposition. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lorelai says that Rory dodged a bullet with Jess, which makes Rory get Mm -hmm. very defensive. And then Rory kind of blurts out that she did see him more recently. She saw him at the wedding and they kissed and 
Lorelai's reaction here. I feel like part of the problem with Lorelai's kind of interaction or kind of intervening with Rory and Dean is just that Lorelai doesn't filter any of her emotions. I completely (laughs) understand why she is feeling the way she is right now. Like she's kind of like, I can't believe all this time I thought I thought you were with Dean. Um, and she just gets really frustrated and almost takes it personally. And I, I like that's I think a perfectly legitimate feeling, but it's not necessarily the best way to bring up the whole problem here, which is that Rory has been has cheated on Dean and is just like leading him on and can't make up her mind and all of that kind of stuff that Lorelai then voices Mm -hmm. and Rory is just like not hearing it again she's just not hearing (laughs) any of it I yeah I like that I really like the way you described it as Lorelai's reactions and not she doesn't have a filter and so in this conversation you get a lot of her kind of like taking it personally or taking the dean side having some anti-just sentiment uh which was like Mm -hmm. a lot of what we had critiqued last season um that isn't paired with what i think is good advice to your daughter which is the like if she had a filter maybe (laughs) that could have come through but um uh like because i do really like what she she says like you've got to make up your mind like if it's just go to him Mm -hmm. and then of course she makes a joke about Jess of course but like she also I do think it's hard to separate her pro Dean-ness from like what she says but I mean it is true that um Rory hasn't been treating him well that you know cheating on him isn't good I think objectively speaking (laughs) uh (laughs) Lorelai says it in a like a dramatized way like saying You've been treating him like dirt, dragging his heart around town. You need to cut him loose. Um, so, like, I don't know. Uh, it's perhaps, like, an elevated way to say it, and it makes Rory feel bad. But mm-hmm. it's also true yeah. <laughs> and needs to be addressed. Um, but there's not really reconciliation here because Dean appears um, <laughs> looking very tan and preppy. Yeah. not not Um, as tan he's kind of got a new look not as tan (laughs) as when he popped up on season two when he looked like he was straight from the beach but yeah that was more surfer he had that like necklace too the surfer boy necklace but here he's got like the polo on Mm -hmm. he's going for more of a preppy look now yeah (laughs) it's very strange but his hair does look great i will say that Mm -hmm. very floppy yeah he's looking better than he has at other points Mm -hmm. i don't know if it's his best look but it's a good look. Yeah, he interrupts. He realizes that he's interrupted something but does not pick up on the tension, like that it was a really serious thing. He and Rory kiss and then hug, and Rory looks over Dean's shoulder to Jess, <laughs> still making out with this girl. Uh, I feel bad for Dean. It's not a good way to feel. Yeah. But I feel the same way. And I love that trope of the like the teen drama yeah. where you're, you're in the wrong arms, you oh know, gosh. looking away at the other person you want to be mm-hmm. with. <laughs> yeah. I really in the same way that you had mentioned, like, why didn't Luke look up earlier to make that eye contact with Lorelai? I expected just yeah. to like look up and see Rory was back and have that shared moment of like, oh, shit. Or if he had been trying to make her jealous, he could have had like a smirk of like, I achieved my goal or something <laughs> like that. But 
he was unaware of her presence as well. Um, but the last thing I will say about this, like, wh- at what point does Rory decide to stick stick it out with Dean? Mm-hmm. I feel like it's the moment she sees Jess making out with another girl. And she, oh, yeah. you know, like, she's like, oh, that door has closed. She feels, like, betrayed. I guess I'll so stick with Dean. So like, It is, but what it feels like to me is, like, almost I imagine her being happy that the decision was made for her you know Mm, like yeah that other option was foreclosed so I get to continue avoiding making the decision myself (laughs) and I'm like oh she finally got she gets to not write the letter you know she gets to not figure out what she would have put in it (laughs) yeah I I definitely think you're right there I also I for me the moment was when Lorelai was telling her like how bad she's treated Dean and we know that Rory is like she is incapable of like coming to terms with the fact that she could mistreat somebody yeah so she like the only alternative is to double down on her being with Dean I think but yeah yeah like the picture perfect Mm -hmm. relationship yeah where she is has done no wrong and they're, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that is part of it as well. Somewhere, somewhere in this interaction, she decides. <laughs> and it's a yeah. Yeah. questionable choice. Well, we move on to another scene featuring another argument. One that like hurt even worse in my oh gosh, perspective. Yeah. But <laughs> um, it's significantly, of course, at a Friday night dinner. Uh, Lorelai arrives Emily has my just sass attack moment um, in a kind of negative way. Actually, it, I wanted no. to just call out her, her, her way of talking to Lorelai. Um, so Lorelai shows up and she's late, and Emily says, "Oh, don't worry about it. That's what the warm setting on the oven is for." And I just so want to point out this is a very passive aggressive way to communicate. It's rude and. I just want to highlight it because Emily is one of my favorite characters and I'm sometimes like Lorelai why do you act that way about your parents like etc why can't you just enjoy a spa day with Emily but then I put myself in Lorelai's shoes right now (laughs) if I arrived late by accident and then she's like that's what the warm setting is for and then in a second when Richard is like did you get a new watch like I get it though you know I get it like they can treat her pretty shittily yeah so I wanted to highlight her the dark side of the other side which is her great witty sarcastic nature you know (laughs) yeah I just have to point out you used you uh showed etymology in action by using shittily as an adverb uh i don't think i've heard that one before but it works this is how language changes it is a natural process any old people Mm. who are angry with it Mm. can suck it up (laughs) anyways well and now it's on record for like if historians later are tracking like when did shitty become used as an adverb they could point to us as like actual evidence (laughs) oh gosh that'd be so exciting Mm-hmm. <laughs> but back to the episode <laughs> so yes. they sit down outside which we haven't gotten very many outside dinners at friday night dinner i kind of like it first off lorelei keeps trying to tell them she, emily keeps bringing other things up she gives her a bag of scone mix which is definitely like emily lorelei does not bake why would you get her this <laughs> 
Emily doesn't bake either, so I don't know why she yeah. was acting so superior about Lorelai saying she wouldn't <laughs> make scones. <laughs> I would, and they sounded kind of tasty, but scones are mm-hmm. also like a undertaking, you know? Yeah. But any, anyways, they also had gotten Christopher a captain's hat, and Lorelai at this point finally finds her moment, and she tells them that she and Christopher, and then Emily finishes the sentence by saying, you're not together anymore. Emily kind of, she goes off about how like they're not in high school anymore. And then Richard comes in with, well, Lorelai tells them why, why they're not together, that Christopher is having a baby with Sherry. And Richard comes in with, this was so, I had a hard time choosing Friday night dinners because it was either this or the moment I do choose later on because Richard is Mm -hmm. so condescending. He's so misogynistic in this. He's like saying, Christopher, of course he would go back to Sherry. He always does the right thing. And he keeps like going on on this about blaming Lorelai for not accepting Christopher when she first got pregnant and this would never have happened. Christopher is like just like the a saint in all this. He's always doing the right thing. It was just like so disappointing and I Mm -hmm. don't understand how Richard could think that way after all that's happened. It just shows like such bias towards anybody but Lorelai. (laughs) And it hit me so hard because I thought they had worked through that a bit. We saw their relationship progress at the end of the season and it seemed like he had respected her more. They had grown closer together. So part of me was wondering, is this like a kind of like a mischaracterization of how Richard would actually react Mm -hmm. based on the story of what we had seen? And they wanted to like heighten the argument? Or is this something that he had still maintained and believed in but had like kind of pushed it aside a bit as he got closer to Lorelai and now that it like resurges he it comes rushing back to him this like internal misogynistic belief I don't really know but like it was just such a hard like I feel like a switch flipped from the Mm -hmm. end of season two to now here and like how much is this going to deteriorate the progress they had built together you know as like a father and daughter it was really really disappointing <laughs> yeah and in, in all of this Emily was also disappointed but in a different way like she thought that there was still hope that they could get back together and that kind of stuff yeah she was kind of trying to like problem solve yeah. a little yeah. bit like oh you know he could still be with you like you're his family she was definitely disappointed but once she found out it was kind of Chris's fault she was a bit not necessarily on Lorelai's side but like I think she understood more whereas Richard was just like totally like oh Chris does the right thing Lorelai's so flighty and he's like Lorelai only you only do what you want with like no care for other people and he's like blaming her again for what had happened years ago it's just so so ridiculous so sexist to really portray Chris as like the selfless family man (laughs) you know yeah (laughs) and what like I think what really upset me is that um, Richard, like, Lorelai starts to walk away, you know, which I think is a great choice. Like, she's just like, mm-hmm. I am not engaging in this. I'm leaving. And Emily and Richard are still, like, bickering as she walks out. And you hear Richard say, like, oh, if you expected this to work out, you're so naive. Yeah. Like, he's saying that to Emily. And 
Um, I think he says Lorelai walked away from her chance to have a family. And I think that's referring to like early on when she was 16. And now he's like, well, of course, Chris is like choosing to have a family. He says like someone who will allow him to be a father, which is just so, so bad. Um, But it just really irks me because it's like Lorelai has a family like you're thinking of this very traditional family unit of like the husband the wife the kids or whatever but it's just like she has Rory they are a family she has all of her friends she's got you too like in that critique you're both you're like negating the bond that you have with her your Mm -hmm. role in her family oh it's just it was so bad I felt like we hadn't had a blowout of like this stuff in a while <laughs> i forgot what it felt like yeah we really haven't <laughs> it hurts <laughs> like most of season two they were more or less getting along because most of the attention there mm-hmm. was with richard's job stuff but yeah and yeah lorelei was super understanding with his job stuff but he couldn't be in any way empathetic to what she's going through like just having her heart mm-hmm. broken it was just so like richard can be such a cool character but then other times he's just like such a complete dick so disappointing it really was i felt like i was just feeling incredibly sympathetic for lorelei Mm -hmm. at this moment and i think it's really interesting to see like to imagine the headspace she's in after hearing all of that and to see her then like go home and finally go into luke's for the first time like Mm -hmm. all summer since the last time she had tried to like apologize where she mentioned she'd written him a note and she kind of said sorry and he didn't really accept it or he said he accepted it but like it was clear that he wasn't ready to like restart their relationship and we were kind Mm -hmm. of like yeah Lorelai like your apology wasn't enough like well actions etc etc so with all of that like context I just think it's really interesting like she's coming from that fight with her family and that is what spurs her to like go into Luke's and to have this like she says she's not going in for this attempted reconciliation but that's like ultimately what happens in the end like uh I don't know what are your thoughts about this like scene I feel like we've been waiting for like seeing their storyline kind of come to a a, like a point of climax in a way I guess yeah uh this scene was my Friday night dinner (laughs) um (laughs) So, and it's, it's because of, it's not because of Lorelai's like revelation and her kind of heart to heart with Luke. So she comes back into town and then, yeah, she sees Luke in the diner and goes in. And as you said, she says she doesn't come, she hasn't come to apologize. She just wants a cup of coffee. Luke kind of begrudgingly just lets her do her thing. And then she sits down, Mm -hmm. he's doing his work. He hasn't engaged with her at all. And then she starts pouring out her emotional trauma and he is standing Mm -hmm. there he's kind of rolling his eyes you can tell he this isn't what he wants to be a part of at the moment so my my critique is for Lorelai as a character in this moment it's great that she's thinking through all this that she's realizing all this but you you can't just go and dump on people especially when you haven't reconciled with them first when they are active like when you have been avoiding them for the entire summer you haven't given them the apology that they deserve or that they need and Luke obviously still needs some time to come around to it 
she isn't giving him that time. She isn't respecting like that he isn't just a therapist for her, that he actually has his own feelings as well. So I know this might be a controversial opinion because this could be a very touching scene where she's like realizing you know that she really wants that family and she wants some like she wants the whole thing with a partner and everything but and she's also like talking about how Christopher gets to be that guy with Sherry which I think is also another just insensitivity towards Luke because he's in love with Lorelai but she pretends to not know that so but yeah my my critique was just that you have to be aware of other people's feelings you can't just dump on people when they're not ready for it and when they're not like able to help you can't just manipulate somebody into forgiving you by having a breakdown in front of them <laughs> that's not mm-hmm. that's not great that's not good for a relationship yeah <sighs> I feel I feel so torn about the scene because I do have similar feelings of you and like how it is kind of inappropriate to go in there and to like use him as the like listener for this revelation when they still haven't like he hasn't forgiven her yet. But like I guess like what I think what is interesting about the scene and like the pairing of it with the earlier fight is like, I guess what I find interesting is how she experienced that. And then almost on like an instinctual or like deep level, she knew the person she wanted to talk to about how hurt she felt was Luke. And that was the thing that got her to go to him when nothing else had, it seems like the entire summer. I don't necessarily think it's like right or appropriate, but I do like, I guess I understand how it happened and it kind of makes sense Mm -hmm. to me. And it speaks to the fact that like, that's the problem that she had hurt him so much. It's her fault that she hasn't had access access to him as as like this friend. And to see them like where she goes in for like the coffee and sits there, it's like so many other moments where they had that like we've commented like on the really the familiarity the comfort the companionship that they have and it's like that's what she was seeking and she had to like she hadn't really been able to reckon with like how to get back to that um or like move forward after she had hurt him and like it's this like emotional dumping that like whether it's right or wrong like is the thing that seems to bring them back together in the story which I think is interesting and like a I don't know like I think it's interesting in a good and bad way (laughs) that they're like the person for each other I don't know it definitely would have looked different like if she'd gone to Sookie after that to think about like who would be the person she could go to I don't know it's like it's very interesting for lack of a better word (laughs) yeah yeah I don't know because I do agree with you like they do have that connection And it's clear that she felt comfortable with him and like she was talking to her family and that was what the whole thing was Mm. about. So she felt comfortable enough like to have that conversation as if as if he was part of her family. But I I just can't get over it. It reminds me of um, when she has that revelation with Chris earlier in season two and just like dumps on that she's (laughs) been waiting for him and blah, blah, blah. 
and he gets really angry about it. And I think we also kind of had a slight distant, like different points of view on that as well. Cause I don't, I'm just like, you don't need to have every revelation you have about yourself doesn't need to be told to somebody right away. I think that she should, she, it's great that she wanted to tell Luke all about it and he was probably a good person to talk to about it, but you got to do some, lay some groundwork first. You don't just, you know, you have to earn other people's time. You don't just get it outright just because you want it. But Luke, Mm -hmm. yeah, Luke can't stay mad at somebody who's crying emotionally in front of him. So that patches up the relationship. (laughs) He does give her a donut, which is very nice. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know it's supposed to be a touching moment. I'm sorry that I've ruined it for you. No, no. And like, I think, I mean, I agree with so much of what you're saying. And I, part of me is like, I'm, I feel fine to disagree with you. But part of me feels like if I disagree, I'm also disagreeing with my past self. (laughs) Um, And like the stuff I like had said about the end of season two. So I don't know. I definitely, I think I feel my feelings are still up in the air a bit on this. Um, But I, and I do like, even to say like to touch on like what she actually says in the scene I do think it is a bit awkward like you said that some of this what she's saying is like um I thought I found like I let myself do this twice and Luke kind of like takes the bait and he's like what <laughs> and which is what she wants you know and she's like I finally found love comfort and safety which I thought was quite touching like that she's putting words to like what she's been looking for and what she wants from relationships. Like I feel like we have sensed a, her desire for those like comfort and safety alongside love. But anyway, she's like first with Max and then with Chris. And it was a little awkward because it's like Luca's right there. Like, yeah. The one person who she's actually gotten that from. <laughs> right. Perhaps perhaps a little bit of what is um, touching to me about the scene also is like not to get too dramatic about it but um destiny (laughs) like I don't know maybe there's a little bit of like the no the dramatic irony or the hindsight of knowing like she's talking about how she's been searching for love comfort and safety and like she's not able to see it's been in front of her and is currently in front of her and it will be like her relationship her kind of like end game Mm -hmm. thing at the end with Luke like she will find all of those things well ask our listeners to weigh in on this because it's a yeah a complicated question and I feel like a lot of people have different perspectives just based off of their own experiences and stuff Mm -hmm. but after this scene we're back at home for our closing scene of the episode and we get a bit of a reconciliation between Rory and Lorelai Rory is unpacking and Lorelai comes in trying to act like nothing happened and then finally she's like I apologize for making you feel bad by the things I said but I think the message was still necessary which I completely agree with I think that's basically what we were saying earlier um she was right in telling Rory to you know shit or get off the pot (laughs) yeah make up your mind (laughs) and then Rory reveals that there's still a dean she has decided to stay with Dean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Lorelai says, like, I don't want you to stay with him because of 
me. Like, it's too important and I do want you to be happy. If you decide to date Jess, I'll help you get vaccinated. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, still making her opinion clear, but also being, I think, more supportive than maybe she had been at, at the end of season two. So definitely she's made some progress there. It ends with them sharing the donut that Luke had given her in the scene prior. And the camera sort of pans out and we're looking at them from the window uh, as they're sharing the donut. And I just like I really liked that as a final picture for the episode based on Richard's critique of like Lorelai ruined her chance of having a family when it's like she has that family with Roy. But also in that scene with Luke, she mentioned like how much she's like, she wants that. She says like, I hate to admit it, but I want like the whole package, like a person, couple life and whatnot. So it's a little complicated, you know, that she's like yearning for something um, while also having something too. I feel like it will probably be a theme for the rest of the season. (laughs) Yeah, which... I'm just thinking back about who she dates during this season. That's going to be an interesting thing to comment on. <laughs> wait, you mean that her and Luke don't start to date this season? Uh, we wait even longer? Yeah, somehow. Even more of a slow burn? <laughs> oh my God. So who was your MVP for this episode? You know, I was the one that suggested this segment, but I don't know if I have an MVP for this episode. <laughs> Like, Rory couldn't decide. Lorelai had her problem. Like, Emily and Richard were mean. Suki bought, redid the whole house and upset Jackson. Like, who can we, who, who's your MVP? My MVP is Paris <laughs> oh. for her uh, date freak out slash soulmate and Jamie. Well, current soulmate. She'll have more. Yeah. Down the line. Okay. <laughs> Mine is Paris too. Yeah. I just forgot. She was the only. We spent our time on this recap and it was so lo- long ago that we had yeah. a scene with her. <laughs> she was the one who had like a fully just good storyline this episode. I will copy you. Paris is also my MVP for crushing it in DC and crushing it in her love life. Big and better things are coming for yeah. her. <laughs> cool. Well, we're back in season three. Happy to be back. <laughs> yeah. Talk soon. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to Talking Fast, a Gilmore Girls podcast. Don't forget to rate and review us and share us with your friends. Join us on Instagram and TikTok at Talking Fast Podcast. And join the conversation by emailing us your thoughts, talkingfastpodcast at gmail.com.